Okay. Wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Every morning gotta go and get the paper. And a nice cup of coffee. Hey, Geek fans, today we give you a dose of news, Alan Moore versus everybody, and times that Batman and Superman have fought pets. I read, buy several papers, and I'll read them all twice, so I can recite them to you backwards, son, I'm nice. Hey, Central Michigan University, this is Ben Solis. My name is Millionaire Billionaire. Mm-hmm. And we've got Tyler Goose in the house. Say hi, Tyler. Uh, and we are the Raving Geeks, back again for another episode, bringing you uh, live. Uh, we are having some technical difficulties, so please excuse any hiss, pops, or anything that we have going on in this episode. We are recording this episode inside a bowl of snap, crackle, and pop. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Cereal, those, those, elves, <laughs> those elves are getting serious, too. So today... In lieu of all that, we're going to bring you some news, some hot news. Uh, guys, Jessica Jones landed, and we are going to do, as usual, quick little minute reviews. Malachi, you haven't seen it yet, have you? I did not. I actually thought it was going to come out tonight, so I held off on it. Um, but now that I know it's out, I'm going to probably binge watch it over the weekend, and we'll do a full, full comprehensive analysis of it uh, in a couple days, give people a chance to watch it. But for now... It's time for round two of the power review. Mm-hmm. So you guys have both seen it. I haven't. I'm going to put some time on the clock here. Do you guys just want to kind of jump back and forth, or how do you want to do this? Uh, we, could, we could do one-on-one. We could do... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. How about we make it a two-minute two review since there are yeah. two of you then? I'll let, okay. And I'll, I'll let Ben go first. All right. <clears throat> and the time starts now. I think it's absolutely amazing. I was blown away. Um, I think there was an idea that it was going to be really good, and I'm surprised on how good it is. I'm, I don't think it's better than Daredevil uh, because I have a, an obvious you know, connection with Daredevil already. I really didn't know who Jessica Jones was until we started talking about it in our last episode. Um, but it's, it's brilliant. The cinematography is great. It's really kind of a creepy show, um, and it's, it's a, I'm so pumped about it. Luke Cage is in the first episode, too, so I'm like, oh, all the pieces are there. It's the blocks. I'm really excited to watch the rest of the show. Tyler? Meh. No, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, honestly, I knew we were in for a good ride when the, I think the first word that they said in that was shit. I think that was the first thing that she said. And it just kind of like set the tone that this is going to be the darkest thing Marvel's done. I can't really add more from what Ben said. I've heard that the first episode is the kind of like the weakest episode, but in a good way because I really, really liked it. It's really hard for me not to start binge watching it now. I'm, I know like I just had to finish by the end of this weekend. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Purple Man. David Tennant, is he in it? He was in it just enough to like be creepy and like... I already love them. And they, they introduce them in a fantastic way, especially because mm-hmm. when they start bringing it into the Jessica character, which is how they introduce it, like these little snippets here and there. But by the end of the episode, he is like the one of the main villains in, in that episode. And you see that throughout the they, series. They, kind, they did the same thing they did with Kingpin. Like, you hear of him, you're, it's almost like, is he real? Is he fake kind of thing? And he licks a face, and like that just sets the tone. And like, he is he is a, a yeah. sadistic sob too. If you watch the end of the oh, episode, yeah. it, the very end of the episode is just like, my god, this is going to be insane. All right, Kristen Ritter, how's she? Good, good. She's I real good. She's good. really good, but I think she's going to be getting better and better as the series goes on. She's a good actress. I mean, it's okay. Um, she's really she's very cute, which is you know surprising because she's really she's really ba man. She's really badass. Um, she's 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 the she's the B from Apartment Twenty Three, my friend. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, <laughs> her powers are are really subtle. Like they're very subtle how they introduce her powers. Um, they almost like don't have an origin story for her she just has them and does stuff and and they reference luke cage they haven't quite said like oh he's power man already but they he they kind of had that moment yeah. where he was like 
Oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to yeah, spoil yeah. it, but yeah. And how they're doing Luke Cage is really interesting how they introduced him as well, mm-hmm. too, because there's like a kind of a subplot going on that has to do with her investigations anyway. So. Sweet. Sorry, I know it was supposed to be two minutes, but... Hey, you were at 220. That was good. Right. We like to rave here on The Raving Geeks. So that's good. We got that out of the way. I'm happy. Um, guys, uh, we, we may or may not record an episode next week. We're trying to figure that out. We might take a Thanksgiving break. Maybe we won't. Maybe a Thanksgiving themed. I know there's at least some Batman uh, and Pilgrim action going on. Yes, uh, I, I think Green Arrow makes a mean chili. As far, oh, if yeah. I remember reading correctly, it's a little hot, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mar- Martian Manhunter's got a good casserole too, uh, which yeah. is odd considering he's from Mars. You well, know? you know he likes Americanized food. He you know? really like learned up on his culinary when he very came. similar. Not, not great with wood stoves though. No, 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 no. no open flame. Yeah, I want to stay away from the fire, that guy. But uh, interestingly enough, next month, guys lands something that I don't think we ever thought would ever happen and we were all very excited and also cringing for. Dark Knight 3 officially lands next month. The Master Race. The Master Race. Uh, so we've kind of talk, talked about this in depth, and we've done a uh, Frank Miller spotlight, so go back and check up that episode. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get every issue, and I'm going to do a review of it on the show because I'm extremely excited about this. And if it's terrible, I'm going to give it, like, wild hell. Um, <laughs> is it a monthly? How many issues? I think it is a monthly. I think okay. it's monthly they're going to have it come out. So, And, it's of course, it's a miniseries. But um, interestingly enough, we've heard some rumblings, especially in a couple of interviews with Frank Miller, um, that, as Tyler pointed out to me earlier today, uh, they approached him about doing three, saying, hey, we have this idea. We want you on board. Can you do it? And that's setting up for a fourth one that Miller wants to write, personally for him. And that's where I think he might go completely insane. But as we've been talking about, the more I'm reading about Frank Miller, I just kind of was like, I'm the, yeah, he's losing his mind because everyone was saying he's losing his mind. But we read the article um, that was online. We read like an interview with him. And I was kind of like following his Twitter AMA. Mm-hmm. I love this guy. Like I, I told, I, I was telling, I was telling Malachi, I, I want him to write until the day he dies. Like I want him to write until the last breath leaves his mouth, and he can't even hold up. And you, you be careful what you wish for, there, because buddy. I just this man is amazing. He's very sharp. He definitely yeah. knows how he's been represented, and he totally plays with that expectation. Especially in this interview uh, that we read on Vulture.com, which was really great. Uh, and he he was really pushing the whole Dark Knight four. They're gonna let me do this. They're gonna let me do this. It seemed like he wants to do it. I don't know if he's really gotten the green light, did he? No, I no. This is all talk at but this point in time. Jim, I mean, Jim Lee loves him though. Yeah, okay. Jim Jim Lee yeah. absolutely loves him. Despite all the beef with you know All Star Batman and Superman, or not Batman, Superman, All Star Batman and Robin, excuse me. Um, but yeah, like even after that ended so terribly and they couldn't finish the story, Jim Lee is totally down to a finish that story. And B, be a part of anything else that he can get of with Frank Miller. Well, and then also, um, you know, Frank Miller was talking about how he wants to do a children's book now. Yeah, and, and and honestly, like I was like children's book, but when he just when he explained the book, it would basically be like a Nancy Drew book starring Carrie Kelly, which I think would be super cool. That would be cool. I'd read that to my kids. Yeah. So some cool snippets from the interview. They they let have off. Any, by they the way. Were, <laughs> great. Yeah, 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 that we know of. Yeah, right. Tyler's running around with the children everywhere. I hope uh, his girlfriend's not listening. I hope, there can only be one. Oh, I'm like the Highlander. You there know. You what go. Go. So, there you go. So some insights from the interview. Uh, he talked about what kind of the most misunderstood thing about the Dark Knight Returns, even to this day, and he's been you know talking about this year for years. Mm-hmm. But what he said is that. People thought that Batman was kind of like an anti-hero in this book, but he said he was more of what, I don't know, a pure hero, I guess, in the sense that he was going against an established 
order that was wrong and he was kind of like a revolutionary and you know that's honestly the part of the book that kind of falls apart for me the most is when he's riding through the streets with a horse yeah or he's like rallying the sons of batman at the the, yeah that's i don't really like that as much but you know in the way that he says it where he's kind of like a robin hood character who's like a radical political figure overthrowing a corrupt police state as he said kind of makes sense a little bit more i mean and the second one especially is a lot about like corruption in government and how he's like taking down this this uh, powerful regime or something like that. Absolutely. Um, he voted for Hillary Clinton, apparently. Oh, and he said he'll do it again, too. He said he's anti-gun. Uh, he's a hunter, but he doesn't like it when they're killed on people, which are used on people. <laughs> when they're killed on people? Kill, <laughs> don't kill the guns. Yeah, don't kill the guns with people. Um, is that a family guy when they make the slide out of the guns? I, don't know. <laughs> I just thought yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, sorry, random. But no, that, that's, uh, that's Simpsons. Oh, is it Simpsons? And he, Simpsons did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Simpsons did it first. Yeah. yeah, and then the master race. Uh, it's supposed to be a race of, like, Superman-like people, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be a race of people who have, like, Superman's powers, apparently. Which, yeah. And he said he's like, of course this is provocative. He said it's my job to be provocative. And surely, I, You know, I like the surely. way that he worded that. You yeah. know, he's kind of like, if I want people to read this, I have to be completely crazy Absolutely. to like to put it through the clutter, you know? The coolest thing about this, too, is that it's going to be set in 2015. Because he said, you know, when Dark Knight Returns was written, it was written in the 80s. It was set in the 80s. It was so clearly the 80s, too. So Batman's what? It's 95 well, now? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, this man was, will not die. He was already, like, 60 in, in yeah. Dark Knight Returns. And, and then in Dark Knight Strikes Again, which was written in, like, the 90s? Yeah, it, was, 90s, it, wasn't, it wasn't, like, too far after that. Yeah, it was set kind of close to that, too. So I'm interested to see, like, gnarled old Bruce Wayne and how that guy's still kicking around. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, you know, interesting thing about the uh, that scene up with the horse... Uh, writing it's very Paul Revere too and it's interesting that he brought up this revolutionary like idea yeah. too because that's always what I got from it too yeah I don't know we're gonna see man we're gonna see I'm gonna review it I'm gonna lambast it if it's not good I'm gonna shout from the rooftops if it is I'm I'm honestly really excited to read what is it the Dark Knight Strikes Again or whatever the second one was called the one that everyone yeah, hates yeah. Because I haven't read that yet, but I've read the first one, and i got to read them in order. So I'm kind of excited to read that really, really terrible one. Read which, it to know that yeah. you're not going to enjoy it. Oh, I uh, huh? Ew. Mm. Ew. 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 He also talked about, so the headline of this article was he talked about <laughs> Superman's penis. Because in the cover that he did that we talked about before... There was a bit of bit of penis action going on there. Quite a bit of and penis honestly, action. And like, honestly, yeah. was it like the outline of like a cartoony dick? Kinda, but it wasn't like in your face, really. I don't know. That was pretty like dick in your face. I, I don't no, think I would have really noticed it or made a big deal out of it unless people like drew attention to it. And basically, what he said is like, "Well, I mean, it's it's just part of the Superman's anatomy. I just didn't. I just decided not to leave it out." I mean, look look at Hen- agree look at Henry Cavill, that guy. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, but I was talking about like Malachi. We were kind of talking about it, and just like. I, I said, I mean, I sat and analyzed that thing. I'm just looking for the dick. You know what I mean? I'm trying to find it. And it just, ad, honestly, the Adam had the bigger dick. If you look, dude, the bulge yeah. that Adam had, because once they brought it to my attention, I'm like, I need to figure out what's going on. You know? Well, I, I, I got to say, Tyler, I don't pull, think I noticed that. Pull yeah. the picture yeah. up right now and look at Adam. And I'm, you'll see. It's, I would prefer not to look at you. Dude, I'm right telling you, it is. It's like it's specifically with you. It's, been a, it's, oh, been a it's like a kickstand, man. You know, it is like being pistol. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, yeah. and we appreciate your feedback. I don't know if we can continue this relationship <laughs> when when you're telling me I'm, to look at pictures I'm, of penises I'm, with you. I don't know. I've, I've just been reading a lot of Frank Miller comments and yeah. Alan Moore comments, and I'm just like, 
really starting to lose my mind. Guys, we've officially changed Tyler's title from executive producer to uh, national dick analyst. I think so, dick analyst. There's Really, there's been a need for it on the show for quite some time. And we're going to fill that void. Ugh. Oh, God. <laughs> Blue jokes! I'm here to plug all the holes, you know what I'm saying? Speaking so. of, uh, of filling voids, uh, one of Hollywood's greatest heartthrobs is now going to be in one of the most controversial and potentially coolest follow-up sequels to a sci-fi film ever. Blade Runner 2 is getting made. Uh, we kind of confirmed this a long time ago. There were some rumors about who was going to be the lead role. And Gosling, Ryan Gosling, the A-girl Ryan Gosling meme of a generation is now going to be the lead in that movie. Craziness. Absolute craziness. Some don't know whether he's going to be Deckard's son, which is kind of weird. He doesn't look anything like Harrison Ford. He doesn't, but then I could see it pulled but off. But you know? if, if Harrison Ford, if Deckard was a replicant, how could he have a son? That's a good point. And That's I think, don't quote me on this, but I think part of this second movie coming out was they said we're going to find out that Deckard is a replicant. Which yeah. sucks. Because which was my... It ruins everything. It ruins the whole... Yeah. That's why I'm kind of... I'm not, I'm not sure about this There one. are some movies that just don't need sequels. We've talked mm. about this before. Most times, I'm extremely skeptical of sequels. Absolutely. I, I think Blade Runner is such a great standalone film. And I think people have been punishing Ridley Scott for decades about making sequels to movies that didn't need it. I don't even think really Alien. Aliens was great. Like that wasn't Scott though. That was I, James I, Cameron. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying though. Like that movie could have been really great with like a different kind of alien. Anyway, not not to disparage that, but Alien didn't really need a, a sequel anyway, and no. it didn't need all the sequels that we're getting now. Anyway, but there are some films that just need to be them their own thing. Yeah. And and introducing his son and trying to explain all these plot points. I'm excited like, about the director though. Uh, yeah, I, I can't whatever. say his name, and I, I'm not even going to try. But it's the isn't it the guy who did like Prisoners and Enemy and those movies? I don't I'm, know. I, yeah, I don't know. Thinks, I think so. I'll, I'll look right. it up. While we you need guys to go and check it. that. We will quote you on that. Absolutely. Then. But no, I mean, I, I agree, Malachi. Um, Blade Runner is probably one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. And if they screwed this up for me, I'm just done. I'm yeah. absolutely done. It's one of those pure things that has not been tarnished yet. Yeah. And it looks like it shall be tarnished. Tarnished shall it be, Ben. Yes, it shall. Shall tarnish it will. We will uh, We will tear down the establishment. You know, it's funny, though, too, because we're, we're all guys except for Kelsey. You know, Kelsey is our, our resident uh, female voice. Um, that's what I do. That's what she does. And uh, she's often smarter and better than us, too, so that's another thing. But, um, you know, I know a lot of uh, female nerds, my girlfriend included, uh, loves Blade Runner. One of one, she, I swear to God, it's one of her favorite movies. When I told her that Gosling was going to be in it, she like did like five backflips because yeah. she's in love with Ryan Gosling. So uh, he's not a bad actor. I just I don't know. No, I know, and he just, uh, it's it's all of his like personality and demeanor. So I know that a lot of nerd girls are, are kind of jumping for joy. Kelsey, how do you feel about this? Do you like Gosling? Do you not like Gosling? I mean, he's a decent actor, so it, you know if he plays it well, then sure. I'm not necessarily into the idea of like putting. A hot, or like an actor in there just because they're attractive. Yeah. Like, he's a good actor though. He's been in some yeah, good movies. He's, been, he's a good actor. Can I, so can I just like, say I'm though, yeah. thinking about it now, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not really a Ryan Gosling fan. I mean, I love me some Notebook, but that's like the only movie I love him <laughs> in. But okay, so after in, seeing in this that, episode, we have confirmed that Tyler stares at cartoon dicks and he loves only the when only when asked by you guys. God, I love um, you guys. So <laughs> I, honestly, after watching Nightcrawler, I'd have thrown Jake Gyllenhaal in there. Yeah. Not to, not to put him in everything, but they're kind of... He's uh, really creepy and I think would fit the tone of that movie. They're kind of interchangeable, I think. They look just close mm, enough. Oh, see. Have you guys heard mm-mm. him like, pronouncing his name 
Gyllenhaal? Like it's Gyllenhaal. No, it's like Gyllenhaal or something no, like that. No, he it's said like on Dutch. an interview, it's Yeelan Hoolan. Yeah. Oh, my ass. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, he's like That's Dutch. Cool. He's Dutch. Isn't that weird? I, I, you know? <laughs> so, That's um, you freaky dinky <laughs> Deutsch. Don't <laughs> bong in a biscuit? Smoking uh, a pancake. Wow, 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 wow. So, yeah, that's, jeez, uh, I, I hope that uh, doesn't happen and doesn't, you know, just be a complete desecration of everything I love. Speaking of desecrations of everything we love. Solid segue. Solid segue. Every week on point. I'm the segue king, guys. Um, Alan Moore, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest comic book writers of our generation and time. Uh, one of the He's not really our generation. No, well, I mean, I'm a little older than you guys. You're so. not an Alan Moore generation. How old are you? Ben? I'm like 45. Because I'm I'm rocking solid 23 right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I'm like 50. Oh, oh no, man, no, yeah. no. it's been in college a long time. It's been a while, but no. Okay, let's just okay. A couple generations have passed. Sure, you know. Not, sure. All right, not to get stuck up on the point. Exactly. Continue. The point is, Alan Moore is one of the scions of the great British invasion of the 1980s, wrote a slew of wonderful books, including Watchmen, V for Vendetta, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Swamp Thing. He's a creator of Swamp Thing. When they Very influential on Swamp Thing. And I would even say his interpretation of Swamp Thing really led to the Animal Man yep. having a similarly... Mm-hmm. Well, he he's the one who, I think it's called... Annette. The anatomy, something I can't even think of it off the top of my head. But he's the one who like said like Swamp Thing isn't actually a person. I, uh, Alex Holland is the character's name. Died and then his personality was absorbed into the green and became Swamp mm-hmm. Thing. Yeah, the anatomy lesson I think is what it's called. Yeah, and, which that comic might be one of my favorite comics of all time. And that just shows you the depth that this guy takes to his uh, his creations. Um, I remember one time looking at a script treatment for Watchmen. And this thing is like pages and pages and pages of scene description just for Dave Gibbons so he can know what to, to draw. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, he's just – he's one of my favorite – he's my favorite writers. And we're going to do a segment that we wanted to do for a really, really long time. Alan Moore has got beef with everybody, mostly because his movies have been made without his permission – and he's very, very upset about that. But also, he uh, has gone on kind of a few disparaging rants against Jeanette Kahn, the former president of D.C., um, also Frank Miller, which was a really great spat. And uh, so we're going to actually take some time here to talk about moments where Alan Moore has fought everybody. Dun, 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 dun. I would also like to say he has occasionally used pseudonyms such as Kurt Vile, mm-hmm. Jill DeRay, so. the original writer, and my favorite, Translucia Baboon. Fantastic. Truly, Fantastic. truly a unique individual. So do you guys you guys have your lists uh, ready of, of different uh, beefs that Alan Moore has? Because I have a specific list of beefs, specifically what is, tailored what to is the movies. What the earliest beef? What set him off first? Well, if you want to go back, uh, his his deal with DC was not uh, it was lucrative, but the fine print definitely screwed him. And in fact, a lot of they screwed a lot of people. They screwed Neil Gaiman. They killed a bunch of people. Um, he doesn't really have rights to any of his properties anymore. DC can do whatever they want with his properties. Um, if you look at the credits of Watchmen, Dave Gibbons is the only one on there who's credited. He's not credited on V for Vendetta. He's not credited from Hell. Uh, he's not credited on Constantine. We forgot Constantine. Yeah. And Killing Joke, and he wrote Batman yeah. and Superman for a Absolutely. long time in the 80s. He was actually one of DC's most influential writers back then. Yep. Absolutely. Well, so, I mean, you can look at, like, Grant Morrison's writing and tell that Alan Moore greatly influenced Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And they were contemporaries kind of too. I mean, they were part of that same push, but it's really interesting how like someone that contemporary can influence the strata of the rest of them. Yeah. But back when he was starting out, DC's rights contract had it so that you had the rights over the character only as long as you were using mm-hmm. the character. Yep. And if you stop, guess what? DC owns that property now. Yep. It's very interesting. So as you know, they made all these movies. Uh, <sighs> some of them were pretty good. Some of them were pretty bad. There uh, were some reports that actually he only made 2% of the earnings from Watchmen under really? DC. Like the actual book? Yeah, like back wow. in that time. Because it exploded, wow. right? Yeah. But they had a pretty small contract for everything, and all the merchandising and everything, I guess, is probably rolled into some of that. Plus, and, I mean, that was, see any of that. that was like the real first, I mean, graphic novel that was really that big, aside from Will Eisner's book, you know what I mean? That was like kind of set the ground for all the rest of these things. Yeah. I mean, it set the ground for Miller to be able to do Dark Knight Returns, things like that. But in terms of movies, he's not very happy. In fact, there's an article from uh, AMC that was actually published like seven years ago, so it's like a ten-year-old article, but it still remains the same of Alan Moore movies that make Alan Moore mad. Uh, From Hell is the first one on here. Well, specifically, he gets pissed off that they turn these into movies in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of change things. Which even makes him even more mad. Yeah. And then he just, like, gripes about all these different goofy things. Um, He did not like that Heather Graham had a hideous Cockney accent, that she was faking a Cockney accent. Uh, As uh, in regards to Johnny Depp, uh, he called Johnny Depp an absent, swilling, opium den frequenting dandy <laughs> with a haircut in the Metropolitan Police Force in 19, or 1888 that would have gotten him beat up by the other officers. Nice. So, Allegedly. Uh, yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's how he feels about that. You absent, swilling swine. <laughs> Swill your swine elsewhere. I, I uh, will challenge you to a duel. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This is my favorite one because also this is the movie that made Sean Connery quit acting. Yeah, but, but <laughs> it was really bad. The the yeah. the book is really good. Yeah, oh, it is. It's I, I, I can't, they've been kind of talking about oh we might reboot this, and I hope they do because if they can do it right, I think it could be pretty cool. The, the well, Nemo it, the Nemo spinoffs they're doing right now, I think Alan Moore is actually doing them. I heard of. People have been liking them. It sounds like a, on paper, it's a great concept. Right? <laughs> it's always a great concept on paper. Like it's you get like a literary fiction Avengers team together. Basically, mm-hmm. you have Tom Sawyer, you have Alan Quartermain, who's I actually don't know what he's from originally, but he's like this master hunter. You have the Invisible Man. You have uh, Captain Nemo. Captain Nemo. Jekyll and Hyde. Twenty thousand leagues in the sea. I like how they make Jekyll and Hyde like the Hulk. Basically, yeah. like when he turns into Hyde, he's like the Hulk. Dorian Gray and Portrait of Dorian Gray. He's, like, he's totally. Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, you know, yeah. he's self-destructive. And then there's like a vampire lady, like the Countess or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, on on League of an Extraordinary Gentleman, uh, Alan Moore said this. Uh, in The Rock, Sean Connery tried to blow up an island. And he was demanding in the League of Lord Extraordinary Gentlemen that he blow up, what was it, Venice or something like that? Yeah. Moore says. Um, it would have been the moon in the next movie if he would have gotten his way. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. And then we have Constantine, uh, Keanu Whoa. Reeves, why? Keanu Reeves, why? You know what? And I, I feel two ways about this. One, it's a decent, like, popcorn flick. Like, if you don't know anything about Constantine, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. But it basically screws up everything about Constantine. Pretty much. And actually, we were, Malachi and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, we were talking about, you know, John Constantine showing up in, you know, the DC TV universe and things like that. And some of the reasons why we think Constantine got canceled off of where it was um, on TV. 
And I really, Batman's not in it. Well, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> not I really Gotham. Batman's not in uh, Gotham. I really think that because uh, the Constantine uh, movie was so weak that when people saw Constantine as a TV show, they saw that movie in the back of their heads and just didn't want to give it a time of day. Probably, which is pathetic because it was fantastic. So, yep, uh, he called that a desecration, and that's all he said about it. Oof. Yep, <laughs> it was a desecration. He was pissed. Um, v for Vendetta. How did he feel about v that? V for they, Vendetta. They took V for Vendetta too, and they really turned it into like a post nine eleven kind of movie. Instead of being about, I mean, V for Vendetta is very strictly like London oppressive regime, like post World War Two almost mm-hmm. even in its themes. And, and they, it's extremely English too. All of oh, its tropes yeah. are extremely, extremely English. Yeah. You know, and that was one of his big gripes that it was like extremely Americanized. In fact, the exact quote was. Um, <clears throat> V for Vendetta was a way for thwarted and impotent American liberals to feel that they were making some kind of statement about how pissed off they were with the current situation without really risking anything. I think that's fair, actually. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the, the what it did to American culture. Well, I mean, you've got Anonymous, right, who wear, wear the guy Fox Mask all the time. Yeah. And in a way, that's cool because they are in a representation of what that book stands for. But, yeah. you know, in the Occupy Wall Street protests and a bunch of other things, at regular protests, people wear these Guy Fox masks because they think they're, like, somehow raging against the system. It really is now a symbol for, like, misplaced activism, mm-hmm. I think. It's become a meme, man. It's become yeah. a cultural they're, they're meme. The, they're now the hipsters of activists. Yeah, it really is. See, <laughs> I see a Guy Fox mask at a protest, and I want to leave. Same. I'm just like, God, I want to smack you. So, uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, Watchmen, Watchmen. Do you guys like Watchmen? I love Watchmen. I think it's great. I I didn't like it the first... It was one of those movies... I didn't like it the first time I watched it, and I think I might just not have really kind of gotten it at first, but then I rewatched it again, and I I really like it now. The director's cut is way better than the normal cut. I would like to see the director's cut. Director's cut is worth it. I've only watched it twice. Uh, I remember I was in the theater for something else, and I saw the the preview for it and I had no idea what Watchmen was never even heard of it yeah. and I was like so stoked to go read that book after that mo- after I saw that trailer because it looked so awesome and uh, and I did and I loved the book and I really liked the movie the first time it came out but I don't think it was as good as the, good as the book I, I feel like Watchmen is almost like an unmakeable movie anyway just because of like the depth and, and so massive and even just like it should, it, the artistry the behind... The HBO TV series, I think, if they do that, would be awesome. Yeah, but I just think it's better for a graphic medium. I don't think it translates to to film as well, be it on TV or whatever. Because the things that they were doing with, like, the countdown to the clock and all the all the little nuggets that were packed into every frame, and then they did the... Uh, I think it was a 4x4 four four grid on that mm-hmm. one. Yep. I mean, all that stuff doesn't really transfer. And, and the, uh, the double... Uh, I think it was issue 12, uh, how... Everything, every panel is reflected mm-hmm. after that. And in the middle is, I mean, just like things like that, like layout and design stuff that they just couldn't do. I mean, it adds so much. It transcends the work, I think, a lot more. Absolutely. And, it's, it's, and let's not forget about the blue dick, guys. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you a tale. I made a real mistake with this movie. Okay, that's good, because I, I have a tale about the movie, too. So please, by all means, scoot that microphone. Now, guys, if we hear a pop and a hiss, this is why our chords are a little defective today. So, All right, so when I first saw this movie, I was in high school, and we went with my best friend's dad. And that got awkward in, in, it, in and of itself. Surely. And he's like, oh, we have time, we have time, don't worry about it. So we waited till the last minute. We went and saw it in IMAX. Oh, boy. That is a giant blue dick. <laughs> and because we, he lie. made us wait so long to go... We ended up in the front row. Wow, so you like really saw So you want to talk about getting pistol whipped. (laughs) By a blue dick. By a giant blue 
penis. Wow, we're going to lose all our sponsorship here. <laughs> by the way, we're sponsored by the Holly Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Michael understands us. Yeah, he does. Um, you know what's interesting? Uh, same same thing. So when I saw that movie, I was super amped about it. I bought, went and bought like a couple different Watchmen shirts. You know, was like geeking out. Which one am I gonna wear? I worked at a nursing home at the time, right? Because I was a I was a certified nurse aide for a while. That's what I did before I came to school. Well, I worked with a girl there, and uh, we we started dating, um, and she was not like hip to any of this stuff right she was kind of like you know like a real girly girl not picking up what you were putting she down, was not no. and i invited her to come see this movie and i warned her i warned her ahead of time i was like listen all right i'm gonna nerd out there's probably gonna be some people dressed up in costumes just deal with it and she's like that's yeah, fine so i'm you know in like khakis from work and like this watch you're shirt. naked and painted blue <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much so I'm, I'm all nerded out and she comes out looking like freaking beyonce like like heels like like she's going like movie night and i was like this girl is going to be so out of place it's going to be ridiculous right so i take her to the movie there's like five rorschachs there's like two dr manhattans a couple of silk specters and she just she cannot handle it the whole time like i'm sitting there just like giddy as crap and she's just like oh my god i'm dating the biggest nerd that relationship didn't last very long, as you could tell, Obviously. but I was extremely happy. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I do remember someone who obviously had not read the book, just going to see that movie, and I think he was, he was sitting right next to her, too. And I, there was like some murmurs like, man, this director really likes guys' blue dicks, doesn't he? <laughs> well, Zack Snyder, we're blaming you for that one. That's maybe a fault of being too close to the book, mm-hmm. right? What yes. did Alan Moore think about this one, though? Because it was very... It was very close. I, you know, Zack Snyder really tried to, like, honor, I think, what he was doing. You know, I think the fact that he didn't get credit, he didn't, wasn't down with it. There was, you know, what you brought up with, you know, being screwed on the, screwed on the deal in the first place. Um, I just think that he was just really massively upset. And, you know, Watchmen was, like, the last of, like, a string of these movies, from his movies being made in, in like, a period of 10 years, you know? Yeah. From 2001 to 2009, it's, like, straight Alan Moore adaptations. I got to imagine that he was really upset. You mentioned about the medium shift. He's actually come out and say that, said that. He's like, I wrote these for a specific medium that translate only in this specific medium. To take them out of that medium is terrible. Which, which is kind of funny because if you look at him now, I think the big thing he's kind of behind right now is he's working on like designing an app that makes it for people who they can, I think can create free digital comics. That's fantastic. So like, I think that's his big push. So I think he's kind of like evolving with, with the times and he's very medium oriented like, yeah he i think he understands that as sad as it is the physical comic book is kind of the way of the past and we're kind of shifting into this digital reading off of comicsology and all that stuff yeah you know and even with the medium shift and it's interesting because it's like look at our industry too right our industry is going extremely digital like practically primarily yeah. you know what i mean this is a podcast this is a podcast we're not writing this down on paper for you um and it's the way of the future um the Ethics and the creativity that are involved with old school journalism are still as important today. And I think Alan Moore realizes that, even though the medium is shifting. Yeah. I think he wants to preserve that because all of his works are like literary pieces of art when you break it down. Um, and I think he just wants that to continue. And uh, we'll see. I mean, you take like all this like, you know, before Watchmen stuff. Like he just he just hates this. He Which hates- for for our readers who aren't aware, they, they basically made prequel comics what a bastardization. to Watchmen. He was not involved in any of this. It was I didn't read any of them. I, I heard some of them are pretty good. I heard Azarello the, did a few of them. I heard the Minuteman one is pretty good, and the Night Owl one's like okay, but just like the concept of it, and it's like why did this really need to be done? And he was like super against it the entire time, right? Yeah. 
So something I didn't even think about till like just now, but I mean they're doing the Killing Joke. Mm -hmm. Yep, I was actually going to bring that up too. How do you think? Because I mean for a while there, that was like his untouched. Like no one wanted to. They always hinted. Mark Hamill was like, "I'm only coming back if we do this," but. It was like always like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, and they never did it, and they never did it, and now it's actually happening. Well, that's funny, too, is he never – he doesn't even like that story that much. No, he doesn't. He, I, he I, honestly doesn't. I think if he could go back, he would make it like not an open-ended ending because I think that's the main reason why he hates it because he's constantly getting questions about it. Yeah, I think he just wants people to have it up for interpretation and just mm-hmm. kind of let it go. And I'll be honest, too. I like The Killing Joke. I really like the second half of it with like mm-hmm. Joker and Batman in present day. I hate the fact that they give him an origin story. That was a little, I, a little silly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's a good concept. I don't. I think a lot of people like really hold it up though, and it's it's a pretty good book. It's not like uh, the best. My my question is whether they're gonna give him a credit on there. You know, if they credit Brian Boland and not him. I, well, here's I, the thing too, and like his battle with DC has been the most public battle. I don't think he's really had much of a problem with Marvel, has he? No. But no. but DC's continually screwed this guy over. But if they're gonna, I, I think they are just for the fact that they gave Bill Finger. His credit. They could. And, I mean, honestly, if they do it, are they telling me they're going to He's probably going to tell him to shove it anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he he doesn't There's, care. I, I think on V for Vendetta, they offered and he didn't want his name on it. Yeah. So that might be the case, too. Yeah. It's, and that's it's, it's right I to mean, do that. unless Fair he enough, was you know? there making it with them every second of the day, he probably, just because it's not his, he doesn't want his name on it because he wasn't a part of it. Yeah. Thing, so. And either way, I think we can uh, agree that no matter what he does, it's going to be good. Alan, we wish you the best. I know you're not listening to this podcast, but even if you are, I love I love Dragula and Mars <laughs> needs women. By the way, I would yeah. like to. <laughs> looks I, like Rob Zombie. I'd like to just put a couple things out there about Alan Moore. Please, because he's a very very strange. By man. all means, so let's let's talk about his magic, right? Oh yeah, he's a magician because <laughs> he is a ceremonial magician. Uh, something he he thought it was a good idea because it was a logical next step as his career as a writer. He says, yeah, which I don't know about. Whatever. That. Yeah. Okay. Malachi becomes a yeah. Well, look, he says art is like magic, the science of manipulating symbols, words, or images. To cast a spell is simply to manipulate a person's consciousness. Okay, alchemist. Which, okay, maybe. But then, <laughs> but let's think about That is the coolest sentence I think that we have said on this podcast mm, so far. Probably, <laughs> yeah, most likely. He took it another step further. Uh, he worships, you know, some people are into Buddha. Some people are into the Muslim. Some people do. The Muslim. <laughs> I'm, some, into, I'm into the God, you know, the Christ. Some people like the Jesus. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> some. Yeah, that uh, works too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I was making a joke. I'm not, I know you were, but that, wow. Anyway. More. Uh, I wasn't ready for that. More worships the Roman snake god Glycon. I bet he does. Every single day. Yes. Uh, How does one worship the snake god Glycon? Does it tell well, us? What it... you do is you lay in the grass. Oh, yeah. Cover, your, cover yourself with oil and just kind of wiggle and hiss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like in the bushes snake until oil. someone finds you and you're like in a heat this stroke phase. Like Surveyor thing. Like, yeah, for sure. What is it on uh, Zoltan, dude? Zoltan, yeah. <laughs> Zoltan. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, and he he's got a pretty good quote here too about conspiracy theories because he's you know he's worked on uh, conspiracies are kind of like a part of like V for Vendetta and and Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen some of his other works too like it's a theme he kind of sure, goes there's back like to. a greater I mean even Watchmen man you know yeah with Ozymandias you know what he says is that the main thing I learned about conspiracy theories is that conspiracy theorists actually believe in the conspiracy because that is more comforting the truth of the world is that is chaotic. It's not the Jewish banking conspiracy, gray aliens, or the 12-foot 
reptiloids from another dimension that are in control. The truth is far more frightening. No one is in control. The world is rudderless. Wow. Which is pretty profound. But then the guy also worships snakes, so I'm not sure. Speaking of snakes, though, there there have been many times. Segway King. There have been many times where Batman and Superman have fought animals. Yep, relentlessly. And we're going to take a quick break here. And we're going to come back and we're going to tell you all about it. So don't go anywhere. Wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Hey guys, this episode of Raven Geeks has been sponsored by the Hall of Heroes. Located in Campus Court next to Subway, the Hall of Heroes is open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Visit their website at www.hallofheroesllc.com and let the Hall of Heroes become your go-to comic book destination. Synopsis is real. Never had that old feel with cats who make waves and get a 360 deal. Welcome back, guys. Here we are again. Um, interesting little segment we have coming up. Uh, I have a feeling that a lot of the Peter crowd are not going to enjoy this. Uh, a lot of my friends are some some vegans, and they're probably going to like you know nail me to a cross or burn me at the stake for this. But Malachi, um, during our meeting, brought up an interesting point that you know. These superheroes have fought some pets sometimes, man. Punched some dogs in the face. Didn't even care about it one little bit. Look, you know? after two semesters doing this podcast, you yeah. know, I've really enjoyed really getting into into superheroes and, and what, what goes on and, you know, what, what they do, yeah. right? The psychology, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And even though I am a pet person. Are, you, I, are you, in fact, a pet person? And I think, you know, hurting animals is a bad idea. Most likely. Seeing a superhero punch one. Is one of my favorite things. It's really ever. gratifying, isn't it? It's literally the best. <laughs> <laughs> We're really sorry, Peter, but we have to continue. So I think maybe the most recent example of this was in Scott Snyder's run of Batman. Okay. Currently ongoing, but okay. this was uh, I think around zero year. Okay. Uh, well, oh, you're talking about the. Never mind, sorry. I thought you were well, you're about to find out. What <laughs> yeah. Talking yeah. About. Why don't you just shut up, Tyler? <laughs> In which the Riddler. Um, actually, I think that was. Hey, in, footnotes. Sorry. Hey, shut up. Uh, so the Riddler is taking over the city, right? Mm-hmm. He's uh, having people fight in a gladiatorial pit with two lions. Batman. That's the most Riddler thing ever. By Batman the way. comes down and fights two lions with his bare hands, no equipment, and kills both of them. Now look, that's pretty impressive, right? Look, if lions are coming at you, if a polar bear is coming at you, you take them down. There's no no real problem there. No, absolutely. When do you think punching a horse is appropriate? <laughs> well, you know, um, oh, if, if you're taking it out to stud, you know, and it's being kind of lazy and won't, you know, do the thing, sometimes you might have to punch it in the face. But like, listen, dude, look at all these horses you got. You got to do your thing. You can punch the horse. That's when I would punch a horse. How about you? Well, I've, in this particular case, in, in Scott Snyder's run, there is a uh, went and horse out on a uh, fugitive horse, I believe, while, uh, while the city is kind of in a riot state. And it sounds like Tyler might know what I'm talking about a little bit here. Yeah, I, it's like during like a riot scene, and that's what I thought you were going to talk about because it's not where he actually fights the horse. It's like later on. I remember reading that run for the first time, and I just started busting out laughing. There's like a scene where the horse is on fire, like moving away. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, just, I couldn't help it because, like, the way that Capula drew it was like amazing. It was like a, a little speck of light in, in the in the horizon. It got bigger and bigger. And it's a horse. And it's a horse. And it just was not expecting a horse on fire. On fire. Yeah. He punches this horse directly in the head, and there's a great panel of him like winding a up a bunch of giant oh, animals. Whoa. 
And then he, like, apparently the power of punches makes the horse realize that Batman is its true master because then yeah. he rides that horse. So it just chills. City. And you know what? Look, can we blame Batman? He fights people like Catwoman, like the Penguin. It's easy to get confused. <laughs> it's easy to get confused. All, all of his villains have, like, animal tropes to him, you know? Yeah. Well, it, this goes all the way back to, in Detective Comics number 31 mm-hmm. in 1939, Batman is faced with one of Hugo Strange's gorilla henchmen. Perfect. Which is the thing. Uh, and he throws it out a window. <laughs> Little does he know, monkeys land on their feet. <laughs> it was yeah. completely fine. Holding bananas the whole time. Wow. He's actually beaten up gorillas multiple times. When you think of Gorilla Grodd mm-hmm. and Monsieur Mala, who sure. are both like evil ape people. Yeah. So he's definitely got his experience with that. But they were like they were more like human than they were ape-like. So, you know, there's to his credit, he was just trying to save some people, you know? There's a great uh, scene in 2007 uh, when Batman fights the Mad Monk and he sends wolves after him. <laughs> and Batman literally takes the wolf. And you know that thing where uh, they, they hold up the person over their head and they, they hit him on the ground and then they hit him on the other side and they hit him on the other side, yeah, yeah, yeah. like swinging over their he head? Hulked him. Yeah, he hulked him. He hulked him. him. <laughs> he takes a wolf, he grabs it by the tail <laughs> in the middle of the back and slams it up against a wall Holy and another crap. wall. That wolf totally deserved it, too. Batman just does not care. No. Uh, apparently, back in the early days, too, when they were trying to figure out, they're trying to you know, pen down, what's, what's Batman really do? Like, he likes bats, right? Yeah. He, he fights with bats, but does he fight with bats? Well, I actually have an installment for that. Um, in Batman Odyssey, written by Neil Adams, also drawn by Neil Adams, um, there is a sequence where he rides dinosaurs, but he also is riding a bat fighting people who are riding dinosaurs. So in a weird way, he's fighting dinosaurs with bats. Honestly, that's more appropriate than the, <laughs> than the example I'm about to give. Fantastic. Wherein Batman finds out the criminal hangout of a couple of mooks, thugs, and no goodens, mm-hmm. and sends them a bat in an envelope. <laughs> like, is that like, is that like the, you know, like sleep with the fishes thing? Like sending a dead fish? He sends them a note like, stop doing crime, LOL, and then a bat comes out of it. <laughs> you know what's even better? Like, the whole note, and then at the bottom it's like, he just puts like, it's signed, and then he like nailed the, the bat to the thing and just put man after the bat. And That's he's just pretty, like, yeah. is that, you get it? Kind yeah. of thing. Like, it's me. Eight, eight, eight. Yeah. yeah. I, I think... My favorite, though, and I I might have a couple more examples, but my favorite is in Detective Comics number 44, where Batman fights a, it's a house cat that has been hit with, like, an enlarging ray, so it's, like, the size of, like, a lion, and what he does is he comes up from behind, and he puts the lion in a sleeper hold, (laughs) and he says, lion or no lion, I'm sticking to you like glue, (laughs) as he's wrapped around it, trying to choke it out. There's also <laughs> there's also an amazing panel in Batman uh, Detective Comics number fifty two in, in nineteen forty one where they release some hounds on him and he responds by punching a dog in the side of the face wow. like giving it a right hook. Well deserved. Uh, the well whole, deserved it, right it, hook. It says the whole weight of his body is behind the blow, crack, <laughs> and it crashes across the beast's jaw. Uh, there's also times where he fights sharks in the comic books. Mm-hmm. There's a really good example that you have, right, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, obviously the greatest piece of cinematic history ever. I mean, like, forget Citizen Kane, Godfather 2, who who even cares? Or yeah. any Stanley Kubrick movie. Is when he is on the ladder of the Batcopter, and the shark is hanging, and he's just <laughs> giving the shark 
haymaker after haymaker, but can't get rid of it until Robin helps him out with that bat repellent. You need that or shark, shark repellent. <laughs> Which is a thing that yeah. he carries around. So there's there's also, you know, a lot of these come from, like, the Golden Age and the Silver Age. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a great one where Lex Luthor's plan is to turn the Justice League into kids. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if they're kids, it's easier to take them down. Yeah, right? you can totally punch a kid in the face. So he turns Batman and the Flash into kids. And, you know, the Flash still has his power, so he's pretty great. But Batman's just a regular kid, right? <laughs> so we assume. He's just like, this sucks. <laughs> God damn. So everybody's like, well, Batman, you're going to be useless. So what does Batman do? He beats up a bear. Yep. Well deserved. So there's a great uh, page spread here of, of Superman saying, Look, young Batman's going to be killed. Oh, no. But the Flash says, Batman is the greatest natural athlete in the world. And as an eight-year-old proceeds to not only run through the legs of the bear, punch it in the face, wrap bandolas around its legs, and kick it right in the gut, <laughs> taking down a full-sized bear. Fantastic. Wonderful. King Kong got nothing on me. You King know Kong got nothing. And so, that, you know, those are all the examples of Batman. Um, you know, Superman had his fair share of animal fighting, too. Now, see, I have a, I have a little list. It's, I don't have the specific comic dates, but even better, I have pictures for you guys, along with choice quotes of Superman saying things as he beats the crap out of these animals. <laughs> so uh, the first example is him punching a hawk, as I will show you guys here. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the hawk is saying, "ack" as it's getting like just totally just like haymaker. Superman punched that hawk so hard it learned English. Yeah, it's totally. Just like, it's just like, ouch. <laughs> yeah, so Superman's quote on this is, "Now that you've tried dishing it out, try taking." <laughs> it's like that hawk just pooped on his car. Yep. So like you know, he's uh, he's a little upset. Here's um, Superman flying through the air, being eaten, attacked by a lion, <laughs> which he's about to punch he's in the just, face. He's too. just so lax. Like this lion has its mouth his on head his head is, <laughs> is in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, when I'm far enough away, I can pull my head out and look at another wig. What? He thinks that line is a wig. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. It's pretty pretty goofy. And then, um, you know, we could just even talk about, like, metaphorically, he's fought Batman quite a bit. That's true. So, you know, in a weird way, he's fighting an animal in that in that case, too, you know? And are we all not animals at yeah. the end of the day? Aren't we all just trying to find our deeper humanity? <sighs> like, look, we all came from the same place. Batman and Superman, stop fighting animals. Yep. It's not cool, man. It's pretty funny. I'll admit that. But it's not cool. Nope. Nope. And I'm going to leave you guys. Oh, well, here we go. There are 10 uh, animal-friendly superheroes, though. This just in from our news producer, Kelsey. And this is from PETA, right? Yes, this is from PETA. Wow. So, yeah, PETA's pissed about this. Well, look. No, it's the top 10 superheroes that are friendly to animals. Oh, friendly to animals. Yes. Well, that's no fun. I don't want to read about that. But I'm sure we're going to have to do it anyway (laughs) to clean up our act Well, like, this list is, like... You know, look at all the people who are good with animals, right? They're probably a bunch of squares, nobody. Who's number one? Who do you think's number one? Who do I think is number yeah, one? Who do you think's number one? It's uh, gotta be Animal Man, right? I was, going, I was going or Vixen. Beast Boy. Probably Vixen. I, Vixen who can take the powers of animals, yeah, right? Yeah, she's not hurting them, she's just taking their powers. Right. Okay. Yeah. A catwoman's pretty friendly to cats. She is pretty friendly to cats. You know, That's a good point. She does love the cats. So Look, this is going to be a pretty white bread episode, right? Who are all these guys going to be? Well, Aquaman. Yeah. So that, that really shows you. Uh, you know, because he's really good friends with fish. Yeah. He talks to him. Black Panther. Uh, okay. Apparently, he okay. banned the evil white gorilla cult from his country, which is racist. But probably. Yeah, the white gorilla cult, clearly. He also has a. Uh, a villain named Man Ape, mm-hmm. which is either a man with ape-like powers or an or ape, ape with man-like, man-like powers. <laughs> I'm an ape with a uh, 401k. Um, 
apparently they have Superman at number eight, so maybe they haven't no, like, no, looked no, at all Superman the references. No, Superman has definitely punched a few handles. <laughs> well, he, 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 he didn't fight it. He just thought it was a wig. That doesn't matter. He, okay, well, and, like, that, and from what I heard, that hawk started it. Hey, man, no. If <laughs> fur is murder, all right, then he is like illegally trading lions for wigs, and I'm not down with any of it. Captain Planet is on the list. I mean, well, that's kind of... Uh, did he really care about animals, though? He cares about the whole planet. Look, if he had to save a flower or a rabbit, that rabbit's out of luck. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, Thor, what? I, I guess. What? <laughs> What's their reasoning for that Whoa, one? Whoa, Batman's on there? Uh, the Batman? No. Batman is number five. <laughs> Listen, PETA, okay, you have just been called out by the he Raving punched Geeks. punched a horse into submission. <laughs> <laughs> While the horse was on fire, he no less. Batman's punch is so powerful it put out a fire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, Beast Boy. Beast Boy is also a vegan. Because, yeah. You know, he's, yeah. That can, that can turns that. into animals, so it's like, well, you want to eat yourself? Probably not. No, of course not. Uh, animal Man is number three. Okay. So that was pretty close. Yeah, not bad. Uh, he's also a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, animal Wol- Man's a cool character. I like Animal Man. A yeah, lot. He's, I like him too. Uh, Wolverine and Jean Grey, apparently. Well, she does love him. <laughs> He's kind of an wow! Animal. I never thought He's about really that hairy. before. He saved a, a bear. Is that like quasi bestiality? Then, like, if she's like dating, let's not Ugh. get into that. Yeah, quasi evil. We've talked about enough penises. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and Sorry, apparently, guys. Wonder Man. Wonder Man. What? Yeah, Wonder what? Man. Because in Civil War. Uh, Wonder Man is interrupted on his way to an important function by two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. <laughs> like he's going to a dinner or something. He's like in a tuxedo trying to adjust. I have a time. reservation at Clara's. I get can't out of, Get out of my way. Looking for answers about a mysterious aquarium store bombing. And Which actually, probably wasn't effective because of the water. Yeah. Get this baloney. This is why he's number one <laughs> on the list. Biggest cop out of cop out. Is this malarkey? Is this yeah. full malarkey? He saved a pita banquet. In the oh, comics. that's whatever. That's collusion, man. That's corruption as far as I'm Conflict concerned. Conflict of interest. Yeah, way. Yeah. That's, that's a bunch of baloney. Leave it to PETA to try to warp our wonderful analysis of beating animals to did a pulp. Did they actually read these comics? Like, I don't think they did. Like the fact like, that Batman and Superman are on yeah, this yeah. list. <laughs> we, just, we just showed multiple examples of where they were not good people. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Well, I think that we're at the end here, guys, uh, accordingly. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, thank you to Tyler and Kelsey and Malachi and myself for uh, being here. Uh, thank you very much, all you listeners out there. You can always follow us on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you download us on iTunes, the CM Life iTunes channel, or on SoundCloud. And again, visit the Hall of Heroes anytime you can because they're good people. So we'll see you again, same time, same bat network.